And we're back on the KYMN Morning Show at uh, 721. We're still warm, 79 degrees. Mayor Powdell and City Administrator Mardiger now joining us uh, in studio after last night's council meeting. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, morning. Jeff. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for uh, you know braving the heat. It's kind of cool right now, but <laughs> it was a hot one yesterday. I, I'm presuming that the air conditioner was working in City Hall. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, as a former older elementary school, the hallways are not air conditioned, uh, but the uh, office areas and meeting room spaces are. So uh, we kept cool. I, I didn't notice it too much in the council chambers. Uh, so I think we were keeping cool in there. All right. How is the air in here, Jeff? <laughs> uh, it's on and off, man. We kind of fight. It's either too hot or too cold. Oh. It's, uh, there's there's just no happy medium. Yeah. But, uh, it's an uh, important it time working. to be checking on your neighbors. Yeah, right? yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about last night's uh, meeting. You had uh, a couple of items on the agenda. Really, it was bonds. It was all about uh, bonding for the uh, city projects uh, that uh, are being... Now, how, explain, maybe you guys can tell us uh, the bonding, what that was exactly for. Was that for stuff that's done this year? Is it stuff for in the future? What, what are you bonding for? It's primarily for projects that are already in place in process, being worked on. It's just a, a, it's a normal part of the process that we go through each and every year. Uh, the projects get going and then the financing mechanisms, uh, are, have already been decided, being worked on, and then this is just a part of that formal process that mm-hmm. we do. And this one was a little bit different because you had, uh, I want to say some opposition. I don't know what the right term is, but there have been lawsuits threatened uh, against the city uh, by a group of citizens and uh, about the uh, the bonding for this. Uh, there was some we've uh, covered pretty extensively, the opposition to some of the bike lanes and some of the street improvement programs that have been going on on the south side of Northfield. Uh, let, let, let's talk about that. You heard from uh, the attorney, David Ludisher, last night, and by all indications it looks like he's going to go forward with a, a lawsuit does this i mean is this is this going to mess up the whole thing is it not going to or are you going to proceed what what uh, what actions will the city be taking well i would say that um you know we we've been aware of this and certainly we've covered at length that the, the city's legal position is strong on this one and we're making sense of the documents that we we received with that but we're we're two months uh month into the construction over two three months into decision making of the council on the project so we're well underway with the construction so we have bills to pay and um we're going to get that project completed and certainly uh, we think we're in a strong legal position as well. I provided the radio station with the kind of the full statement that I gave last night and certainly hope that you encourage to make that available to the public if they want to get into the details of that. But, yeah, absolutely. you know, it could um, could drive up some costs and, and you know, to have to uh, respond to some of the legal issues. But the project financing is going forward. As you said, the reconstruction plan bonds um, are included in that for this year's project. So the projects are underway. We've got obligations. We'll pay those, uh, get that completed. We also are um, going to be kind of having more impacts to Babcock Park as we're doing upgrades to that uh, facility as well that's in 
definite need of improvement. And then the last one is some equipment. We have a major piece of uh, equipment that we use for taking care of things like snow removal or our gravel, some gravel roads that we have responsibility on with a new motor grader. So we packaged all those together. Um, council authorized um, going out and uh, selling those bonds and that they're due to have a competitive sale at the end of September 19th. Mm-hmm. Our bond council has reviewed all of the legal potential issues and are very confident that we can move ahead smooth sailing with um, with our bondholders to, to get good good prices and a low bid uh, for the current environment that we're in. You know, historically, over the past decade or two, we've had um, pretty historic low interest rates for public. We've seen it tick back up, but it's, it's still relatively good interest rates for public projects. So it's a good time to continue to invest in, the, in these different things that we desperately need for the projects that we're doing, improving our streets, improving our parks, and, and taking care of the equipment to, to do snow removal. Yeah. Although we're not thinking of snow right now, but yeah. we're creating out the, the gravel. But It'll be on the way soon enough. Yeah, so we should have basically all of the cash um, in October uh, with the timing of this, but the next council actually be awarding those bids in, at the end of September. Going back to the uh, bonding, the bond rating, Northfield historically has had a pretty good bond rating for a city our size. Where are we at right now? What kind of bond rating do we have uh, as a city? Uh, I know that's a thing you have to pull in off the top of your head, Ben. Come on. But uh, is it still uh, a pretty good rating for yeah, a city our size? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it's like a double A or double A plus uh, rating mm-hmm. that we have. It's a very strong rating. In fact, for comparable cities our side, it's probably about as good of a rating that you get. And if there's any, you know, we've got good financial practices. We've got a good debt load that we carry. So it puts us in, oh, in great liquid cash position for the city, which is always mm-hmm. an important one where having cash reserves in case things in the economy go bad or uncertainty on funding are really important. So the city's had really strong um, ratings. So that that's a positive thing to have lower interest rates for that. And that will be part of the process to reconfirm that rating through this is uh, with standard and pores as we work with. Yeah. You also had uh, mentioned uh, some improvements to Babcock Park, yeah. uh, which is, I don't know, maybe that's, I've lost that one in the shuffle somewhere, but what kind of improvements yeah. are we uh, getting at Babcock? Is this the softball part? Yeah. Is this the dog park, the rodeo? Right. What, what part of... It gets uh, confusing, right? Because the Babcock Park that we're talking about updating, I think, is out of sight mm. from as you go down Highway 3. When people say Babcock Park, people naturally think of the rodeo grounds, mm-hmm. but... Actually, if you take a right-hand turn or a left, go down uh, the hill from Taco Oasis, I believe there, there's a nice softball diamond, but still in need of a lot of updates. We had exposed wires. We had a building that had some bathrooms in it that had to be closed because they were in such terrible condition. Retaining walls kind of falling in. Uh, There was an outdoor ice rink, which wasn't in really great condition either. So really, this is one of those steps that we're taking to ensure that we have quality facilities, not state-of-the-art, but just quality. We shouldn't have retaining walls that are kind of falling in or exposed wires out there. And it was one of the prior to this summer, I would say it was the only softball field that uh, was lighted. And so it was heavily utilized during those summer months uh, for games late into the evening. Other than, I guess, our baseball park. Mm-hmm. We've got a baseball uh, diamond out at Seckler that's lighted. But mm-hmm. the otherwise, those were the only two uh, diamonds that were lighted really in the city. So Okay. All right, let's move on to the uh, next one. If we're all done with that, anything else on the bonding? Well, let's move on to uh, some street improvements uh, uh, along... Uh, um, 
Trunk Highway 3, which is goes right through town. I want to, mm-hmm. to talk to you a little bit about this. Um, it's... We, we've talked about that really dividing the town between east and west, and I agree with that 100%. It's just like the town has been cleaved right down the middle. Mm-hmm. What can be done? Are there, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you're kind of kicking around right now, things that could be done. Uh, what are we looking to see there? Yeah, Jeff, and we have, I think uh, the design of that roadway was a previous generation Right, where the design standards for how you move traffic through cities was truly to just do that. Just move traffic right through a city without any consideration of what it does to neighborhoods, people that maybe don't uh, utilize uh, normal everyday vehicles. And, and so we've seen some design um, updates, I would say, to their standards and what they do with roadways that are state highways that are going right through uh, communities. And you can see that more to the north of us, uh, the city of Rosemount, uh, the city of Farmington, I believe, has a new roundabout in the northern portion of their city. So there are new design options out there for communities, and we certainly have room for improvement here. Even with the Highway 3 and 3rd Street uh, updated crossing there, we've had some some issues there with people being able to get across the street there safely because your um, one lane of traffic may stop, but the next lane may not, right? And so it's there's still uh, room for improvement here and just the importance of ensuring that people that are on that northwest side of the city can uh, be able to access everything that we have over here on the east side. It's a primary shopping area here. There's lots of great parks on this side, the pools on this side. We have schools on this side of town, our high school and middle school, which all kids in the city and around surrounding uh Areas outside the city, that it's all on the east side of the city here. And so just really important that we improve the accessibility for everybody walking, biking, and driving. And when you improve uh, design options for all three of those, you get a better, safer roadway for all involved. What is the time frame? we're looking at here is this uh uh it seems to me like this is still in the early stages of the planning is that correct or is there a plan to move forward on it yet yeah this is the council making a strong statement really directed at mindot the importance of changing the way that the design is on our highway three prioritizing it for planning changes prioritizing it for getting it in funding for actually doing the improvement so this is the council taking a stance to send a message to MnDOT. I would say our elected and official leaders are, are working on making that a priority for MnDOT. They have limited dollars. Um, typically, the first answer out of their mouth is no, we don't have any money, and so it's not a priority. But I would say really where you can make a difference as a community to actually implement is, one, have alignment of the community leadership and the public about the identified you know problems and so- potential solutions to those. And then you got to work hard to lobby it because there's limited money and it's kind of like the squeaky wheel. And so I would say, what can citizens do? Voice their concerns to state MnDOT officials. Come to our open houses when they have them on different highway projects. Talk to your legislator uh, at the state level who support that. Um, anticipate we're going to be probably seeking some federal or state grant funds to try and initiate projects around this. And so if we can get support letters from community members 
to really identify that this is a broadly identified concern across the community. So I think that's where your listeners can help us to really mobilize. Uh, Northfield's good at mobilizing. I think on local issues, a lot of times we, we can use help on mobilizing and getting dollars in to actually make a difference in our community on things like improving the highway uh, design and have mm-hmm. people really get safely across mm-hmm. the highway. You know, Rich had mentioned, Rich and I were talking earlier this morning here on the morning show that uh, uh, some maybe some more immediate improvements uh, were in the plans as well. As far as uh, the stoplights and the safety crossings and such, is there uh, are there any plans on, I mean, I, there's a couple of stoplights. They did some good work on like the one here and uh, and a, a little bit further on down, but uh, there's some that still uh, seem to be kind of <laughs> like, why am I standing here doing nothing in traffic or when there's no traffic around? Can't I turn? <laughs> are there some more immediate improvements uh, planned? Do you have a beef? <laughs> Do you have a beef you want to pick, Jeff? Yeah, I think the one safety, like, like as an example, one that comes to mind, Jeff, that I think is really important that I know our police do as part of education for our students that are learning to drive that mm-hmm. I think has been a, a definite improvement is they replace the signals at 5th and uh, in, in Highway 3. In the in particular, southbound traffic now has a green light uh, versus just a green uh, so, a green arrow light. Excuse me, has been added that then st- keeps the traffic stopped in the other direction because we'd often have, you know, it turns green without the the, the, the without the uh, left uh, arrow turn and restricting the other traffic. So we'd sometimes have people pull out in front of people, not kind of thinking, slowing down, realizing that you have to yield to the northbound traffic. That was a huge improvement and one we identified. That's an example, though. Those signal upgrades came apart, uh, came about because of the city lobbying and seeking funding for safety improvements to add what are called activators, so that our safe public safety personnel, ambulances, fire, police, can activate the lights in the case of an emergency to safely get through. So, it ended up getting all of the signals upgraded, and we got state grant dollars to help do that. So, that's a good example of leadership of the council identifying some problems, directing staff to go after it, and we got some funding for it, but. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's a lot of immediate ones. I would say the immediate ones in planning that are more substantial relate to Highway 19, and we do continue to have open houses on that. The mayor's been uh, supportive of lobbying for improvements on that section, so we need to focus on the ones where we have the opportunities. Mm-hmm. But when we have those open houses, too, we can also talk about mm-hmm. other roadways, including Highway 3. So mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, there, I don't think there's anything immediate kind of in the core section kind of through kind of as you go through the central business district area. I don't think we have any immediate improvements planned by Minot at this time. Lastly, I would like to talk about uh, trees. Uh, there have been some projects uh, on the uh, on the schedule for next year, I believe, extending the uh, working on the Mills, Millstown Trail through Jefferson Road. Uh, well, evidently, uh, from what I understand from what Rich tells me, there are some uh, uh, ribbons tied around trees right now for possible removal. Would that be? Uh, and there's questions about whether that is for... Uh, a future project for a, maybe a road improvement uh, could be emerald ash borer. It could be anything. So can you clear up anything on that for us? So I would just say and we've had a lot of interest in the projects that we're doing and people trying to understand and make sense of it themselves. And so people have been going out on different project areas and marking trees or uh, putting markings on, on the ground and, it's a now, these a, are city employees when you say people are. No. Are these our, private our citizens? Resi- our residents. Okay. And uh, just like we all are, right? We're trying to make sense of it, understand uh, what the project it, 
parameters are. But when we do that, other people that are actually working on the project or even neighbors that might not know or understand that uh, you as a resident put identified a tree or put a marking on the ground, it's not the official. Uh, We have engineering crews that go out and they do site linings. Uh, I don't have a degree in that, and so I'm not going to try and do that. There is... uh, you have to have a degree to go out and do that. And so we really, I just wanted to urge some caution and some patience out there to allow our engineering crews to go out there and really identify which trees um, and the markings on the ground to ensure that everybody's looking at the right uh, the right markings on the for the projects. Do we do we have? Is there like some type of color code for the ribbons they put on trees, um, for yeah. removal or for trimming or for emerald ash borer or anything else? Uh, good, good question. I think that uh, what I heard uh, was that. Right now, we have been using some pink ribbons out on these emerald ash borer treatments that our staff are doing to extend the life of these some of these good ash trees that we have that we can get two to three years by doing a treatment on them. Um, I think we might be evaluating whether we change how we identify some of those because, as an example, like the mayor said, out on Wall Street Road, as an example, some of the residents down there have used pink ribbon that they personally use to mark what they think potentially might be impacted by the project, not identified at all by the city on any individual trees being impacted at all. Um, But I think it's causing confusion because we're also down there now starting to stake and do an actual city engineer work on it. So kind of to the mayor's point. And again, these engineering firms, although they might have some standards when when you do like a gopher locate on certain colors or identifiers, um, I I think I would caution that not to assume anything. And the way they do the markings, I don't think there's a simple way for the public to do that. I do think maybe on these tree treatments that we're doing, there might be a different way for us to maybe mark those more specifically. Um, But right now we don't. So I don't want to set any false expectations on that, but we're going to be taking a look at it. But I think in general, if people have questions about what's being marked and why, it's pretty common if you see a gopher locate come in in your neighborhood and people are like, hmm, why are they painting on my lawn uh, out in that public right-of-way, the city's right-of-way? We get calls and answer the questions if we know, oh, it's a project coming or your neighbor's got a proposed fence that they're looking at so they've marked or they're doing some digging in their yard or those kinds of things. So we can answer those questions by calling into the engineering department of this city to get clarification if there's questions. But I think to the mayor's point, maybe just caution and uh, making making assumption on some of those projects. I would say um, we could get into some of the projects. Updates uh, might be out of time here, but I would say on Wall Street Road in particular, there's been a lot of interest, and we're currently, the council back in June improved what's called the feasibility phase, which just kind of adopts the concept drawings, but it doesn't get into specific site impacts. And the council was very acutely aware of concerns around tree impact in that area. It's a pretty narrow road, um, so there's a lot of growth in the area. There's a lot of mature trees. So the next step was to go out, take a look. Staff has to do the engineering work to identify what might be impacted by the concept plans that were approved. But we also know the council is very interested to find out the details once they're done. So we're kind of in that period of learning the information, and then we'll be evaluating, do there need to be changes? Does staff want to propose changes based on what they saw on impacts to trees or to property? Uh, 
then that would come, you know, residents would be involved. It comes back to the city council for their input. They might have ideas on potential changes too. So it's very preliminary. There's nothing final. I know there's been a lot of interest on that, but we're certainly, I think the council and staff are acutely aware of the interest and concerns of trees in that corridor as long as, as well as other uh, uh, parts of our project areas that are going on. We do have another project meeting this evening too on Jefferson Parkway and encourage people to, to come out to that one. That one's a pre-feasibility report on that mm-hmm. project but we'll be coming back here soon. And where is that at? Uh, that is going to be... I don't City, <laughs> City Hall, second floor training room. So okay. come on upstairs. You'll hopefully see a lot of people heading that way here this evening. It does really matter. This is an important time period for people when we have the open houses to come and help identify uh, different issues that uh, our city staff maybe don't know about. And I heard that uh, last Wednesday, Sean Simonson, who's been with the city for over 20 years working on these individual projects, really just asking community members to share with them things that are issues that are maybe on their uh, personal property that the city, not within the right-of-way, that maybe if there is some water or flooding issues that uh, city staff need to know about so that they can address those All right. We are out of time. Thank you both for coming in today. Much appreciated. And we'll talk to you again uh, next week. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Northfield Mayor Rod DePaul.